Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. God's people have always used the spiritual tool of fasting. This is true throughout history. Moses and Elijah each fasted for 40 days. Ezra led the Jews in a fast before they returned to Jerusalem. Esther also led the Jews on a three-day fast for protection when they were in danger of being slaughtered by Haman. Daniel fasted for three weeks. Paul fasted for three days. And then in more recent church history, the late Worldwide Church of God founder Herbert W. Armstrong declared a churchwide fast when the state of California attacked the church in 1979. In the Philadelphia Church of God, there have been church-wide fasts for a number of reasons. There was one over the court case against the Worldwide Church of God after Mr. Armstrong's successors betrayed him and rebelled and cast down the truth, and we fought them in court to take those writings to win the copyrights to those writings. There was a fast about that. Many of the buildings here on the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus in Edmond, Oklahoma, now stand as a result of a church-wide fast. Many of the initiatives in the work exist because of church-wide fasts. So God's people fast often. It is a powerful spiritual tool. In the coworker letter from November 1st, PCG Pastor General Gerald Flurry actually called another church-wide fast. This one for Sunday, November 21st. So just six days away now. And this fast is about open doors in Jerusalem. This coworker letter is one of the best ever, in my opinion. Just so powerful. And there are some real earth-shaking details in here. He talks about establishing the Armstrong Mazar Institute of Biblical Archaeology. In Jerusalem, we now have 8,000 books 
almost half of which came from Dr. Alot Mazar, who recently died. We've had a long partnership with her, helping her excavate in Jerusalem. And now we have her personal library and thousands more books that we obtained for free from Hebrew University where she worked. As Mr. Fleury explains in this coworker letter, this institute will explain the connection between archaeology and the Bible. This institute will reach out to the common everyday Jews and show them the power of their history and how archaeology proves their history true as recorded in the Bible. We will be offering tours of the city of David excavation site and putting those thousands of books on display. That was part of the deal to receive Dr. Mazar's personal library. They had to be put on public display. So that Institute will have a public library. It will offer tours. Our staff of the watch Jerusalem magazine, which is about to change its name to let the stones speak will be there at that Institute as well. But when you have a large library of thousands of books and you have a staff that needs to work, what else do you need? Well, you need a building too. And so that is what the fast is about that and other things, of course, in Jerusalem, more opportunities, more contacts, more digs to participate in. But a building is part of that too. A building to house the Armstrong Mazar Institute of Biblical Archaeology. And as Mr. Fleury points out in this coworker letter from November 1st, it's not about preaching to people. It's just about letting the stones speak. The artifacts speak for themselves. They prove that the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah were real. They really existed. And they really did have contact with the kings of ancient Israel and Judah. Isaiah had a strong relationship with King Hezekiah of Judah. Jeremiah almost drowned in the mire of a dungeon. And did you know that the tiny clay seal impressions of his captors, the princes who had him thrown in that dungeon, have been discovered. They have been put on display here at Armstrong Auditorium in Edmond. So God's work is deeply involved in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem archaeology. And it's all about delivering a message and letting the stones speak, giving the people hope. So God's work does need open doors. Revelation 3 
verses seven and eight say, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write These things says he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. So God is saying here that because we obey his law and keep his government, uphold his government, that he gives us open doors. And for this churchwide fast coming up on November 21st, the point is to really ask God for open doors, seek his will in Jerusalem. Major decisions have to be made by Mr. Flurry regarding Jerusalem. And a churchwide fast will help reveal God's will. So fasting, this tool of fasting, what is it all about? How does it work? Does it work? If the, if the church pretty frequently has church-wide fasts, there must be some kind of a purpose to it. There must be some kind of tangible, real results. But there are a lot of specifics to fasting that we must understand. In an article from the Philadelphia News of July 1997 titled The Power of Fasting, Mr. Stephen Flurry wrote about how to fast, how, how fasting draws us closer to God. He warned against fasting in a wrong attitude, and he proved that fasting does bring results. Fasting involves going without food and water for a 24-hour period, normally from sunset to sunset. Perhaps in some cases, if we have to, it could be a little bit different. Generally, it's not recommended to go 40 days like Elijah did, like Moses did, like Christ did. Our ultimate example, Jesus Christ, did it for 40 days as well. That's the biggest reason why we fast, to follow Christ's example. And he did that in preparation for his life and death battle, his titanic battle of the ages against the devil. You can find that in Matthew chapter 4. But the whole point of fasting is to seek God's will, like I mentioned. Mr. Stephen Flurry writes here, the purpose for fasting is to draw closer to God. That is the best result we can ever hope to attain with this powerful spiritual tool. Once we draw closer to God, then even more blessings and answers to prayer will follow. But be careful not to fast to get something. Follow in the example of Mr. Armstrong. He fasted to change his attitude. He fasted because his prayers were not being answered and he knew it was his fault, not God's. Even though Mr. Armstrong and his family needed a lot of things, 
he spent the time during his fast asking God to show him why his prayers were no longer being answered. That's a that's just an incredible example. That's in the autobiography of Mr. Armstrong, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. He showed this virtuous cycle during a fast. An hour of prayer, an hour of study, an hour of meditation. And rotating through that cycle as many times as possible. That's an example we strive to follow on a personal fast or on a church-wide fast, whenever we fast. And you can imagine how effective that is in helping us to think more like God, draw closer to God, asking God to help us think more like him, make decisions like he would make. So with a church-wide fast, each one of us is not necessarily responsible for making the decisions regarding Jerusalem or other aspects of God's work. Mr. Flurry does that. But all of our prayers together, all of us fasting in the right attitude, really does get results. We've seen that throughout history. Those biblical examples, like I mentioned earlier, and you can find those also mentioned by Mr. Flurry in his article, Mr. Stephen Flurry. Fasting really does get results. It puts us in a humble frame of mind. It reminds us how weak we are without God. David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. That's Psalm 35, verse 13. We have to be humble and childlike or else God just totally rejects us. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2 state, Thus says the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things has mine hand made, and all those things have been, says the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembles at my word. So God wants to dwell in us if we are meek if we are figuratively broken and smashed. So we're not making idols of ourselves, gods of ourselves. We are broken and smashed. And we know we have to trust God. That's when God will dwell in us. Yes, he inhabits eternity. He's over the entire universe but he wants a place of rest among us. And by fasting, we develop the mindset that will allow him to do that. Isaiah 57 verse 15 
talks about God dwelling in the high and holy place, but also with him of a contrite and humble spirit. So God will actually dwell with us if we are humble, like we should be. If we do not make a public show of fasting, like the Pharisees did in Christ's day. It's realizing that we have a long way to go to think more like God, to be more like God. And so once we understand God's will as a result of fasting, that's when all the blessings really start to pour in. So with this churchwide fast coming up on November 21st, we can expect some pretty big results to take place very soon after that with finding a building in Jerusalem, starting a new dig, making a real deep impact on the people there. I have an example here from Mr. Armstrong and, and how fasting really does allow God to work miracles in his work. This is from the November 2nd, 1972 coworker letter. He talks about how back in 1948, they were in a most desperate crisis. And when he was writing this in 1972, the work was in another crisis. Now that's not the whole reason. The only reason why a church-wide fast would be called, but dealing with crisis is certainly a big one. He talks about trying to purchase a college building out there in Pasadena, California. They were trying to get that college started. Mr. Armstrong knew that God's work needed dedicated ministers to help the people. A lot of people would become members in the church under Mr. Armstrong in the early days, and yet they wouldn't stick around because they didn't have ministers to shepherd them and to guide them and help them. And so Mr. Armstrong personally crafted a college curriculum that would help to develop ministers who would then help the members. But back here in 1948, they needed to pay $3,000 of accumulated taxes and interest and insurance because they were trying to transition from a lease to a purchase of this college building. So while they were leasing, they didn't have to pay those extra fees. As soon as it became a purchase, they had to pay that several thousand dollars. Mr. Armstrong wrote by late October, I became urgently concerned. We didn't have the money and only about two months to go. He talks about how his auditor and an attorney friend of that auditor tried to dream up ideas to help raise the money. $3,000 to pay off in a couple months 
back at a time when the entire work income was $470 per day. So $3,000 extra to pay beyond the usual bills of the work. That was quite a lot. So Mr. Armstrong talks about them trying to dream up those ideas. They were trying to look for physical ways out of this financial crunch. What could they do to raise the money? Mr. Armstrong wrote, we tried other ideas. Nothing brought results. But I did ask all church brethren to pray and to fast and pray in real earnestness. The the day after Thanksgiving, late November, so here right before the deadline, $3,000 came in one day. Virtually a full week's income. The next day, we received another 3000 And the next, and the next, and the next. And the next. <laughs> Until more than $50,000 had come in before the 15th of December, which was the day we really needed the money on hand to put into escrow in advance of our December 27th deadline. The letters I sent out didn't bring in the money. The ideas we tried brought nothing. The fasting and prayers of the brethren did. There was no other way we could account for it. All during the following year, 1949, the income remained fairly steady at a 30% increase over 1948. So when Mr. Armstrong had to try to start ambassador college for the good of the church for the good of God's work as it grew there was no guaranteed success he had to really strain spiritually and trust in God to provide $3,000 in two months they needed for that building to keep that building and turn it into a purchase instead of just a lease. And they just kept getting the amount they needed day after day after day, the full amount. So every 3000 on top of that first day was just a bonus. What an incredible miracle. God's work is full of miracles. And fasting is a big reason why we find out God's will and then the blessings pour in. We act on God's will. We go through his open doors once we understand his will. Mr. Armstrong continues 12 to 15 years ago, a number of times when the income was down and the situation became serious Our students and brethren in Pasadena fasted and prayed. And every time there was a jump in the income, back up to the annual 30% increase. That's a part of the work under Mr. Armstrong that is truly unprecedented in any other venture 
in the world. 30% increase every year for decades. Not just for a couple years, for decades. You'd think at some point there has to be a ceiling, but not with God's work. Just so many miracles as a result from fasting. Other reasons too, but fasting was a big part of that. Mr. Armstrong called fasting a needed part of the work of God. God was on his throne. Our same God is still on his throne today. I am praying. I am going to fast and pray. And I'm going to believe. And God is going to answer and save his work now as he has in the past. So that's some important context to keep in mind for this November 21st churchwide fast that fasting does get results that's the reason why bible heroes have fasted why christ himself even fasted that's why throughout church history god's people have fasted it really does get results it humbles us it allows us to think like god god will show us his will he will open doors And then we just have to go through them. In this case, with this fast on November 21st, going through open doors in Jerusalem. Mr. Stephen Fleury wrote in his article, The Power of Fasting, fasting will change the course of events in your life. We could reword that slightly for the purposes of today's show. Fasting will change the course of events in God's work. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time 